Welcome to More to Come, PW Comics World's bi-weekly podcast on graphic novel and comics publishing, recorded at the PW offices in New York City. I'm Calvin Reed, Senior News Editor of Publishers Weekly and co-editor of PW Comics World. Check us out at publishersweekly.com slash comics. And I'm Heidi McDonald. I am also co-editor of PW Comics World, as well as graphic novels review editor for Publishers Weekly and the editor-in-chief of The Beat at comicsbeat.com. And I'm Kate Fitzsimmons. I'm the podcast producer. This week on More to Come, shortage of 3D villain covers at DC Comics, new digital business models uh, for Mark Wade, Keith Knight, and Sequential. Creator rights, uh, we'll look at the Kirby decision and issues around the Wolverine movie. Movie talk from Kate and Heidi, uh, Two Guns and uh, the, Wolverine the Wolverine movie, and news briefs from Kate. So, let's get right to it. A shortage of villain covers, if not villains. Right. Well, uh, some people would say Villain Month refers to DC yeah, Comics right. after what's going on this week. The ultimate supervillain. Yeah. So this story is very hard to explain because it has to do with order dates, uh, allocations, uh, cutoffs, printing, shipping. Kind of a short version is DC has been promoting September as their Villain Month with 20 titles, I believe, that will all have these amazing 3D lenticular covers. Um, well, I think they're lenticular, not 3D. Now they're going to be 3D and lenticular well, they're at the same lent- time. No, they are lenticular. And they're, you know what? It's funny that you mention that because they didn't want to use the word lenticular because that goes back to the 90s. But they are actually lenticular. I did see one of them briefly in San Diego. I wasn't allowed to hold it. I was only allowed to look at it. But uh, definitely uses... <laughs> Uh, variation, an updated sure. variation of lenticular That can also be 3D at we the same time. We want to keep it up to date so the kids well, know are. what we're yes, talking about. Yeah, but lent- you know, a lot of lenticular, like, it's more like a hologram. I think oh. they were always, they were always, they were, it's not really a hologram, but they were always, um, <laughs> they were always mentioned as being 3D. That was always part of them, that ah. they were, you know. Seizure-inducing by anyway, any name. These covers so, are so spectacular. They don't yes. move. They're not yes. animated. They're cool. Lenticular. It's only yeah. when you move your head yeah. that they move. Not like the animated GIFs that everybody's been using on the internet. Anyway, are you see how confusing this is? We're <laughs> yes, already yes. arguing about lenticular yes. technology. Basically, retailers were told this was a big deal. Um, what they were not told... Uh, this is where the controversy comes in, is that the print orders had to be set far in advance because the covers are manufactured rather than printed. And I guess they were made in China, like so much is mm-hmm. these days, and had to be shipped here. So in order to get them in time for September, the print orders for these covers had to be set far in advance. Retailers did not know. They placed orders that were either based on what they knew at the time or not at all because actually they have final order cutoff dates this month so they hadn't even placed their final orders before being told they were not even getting what they hadn't final ordered yet. Does this make any sense? If anybody <laughs> wants to jump in and explain this better, oh, okay. go right ahead. But retailers <laughs> are hopping mad over this because they're not going to get enough copies of these books. And well, instead, they're going to get 2D covers. Well, I Although hear the from... The uh, 2D ones will be cheaper yeah. for the customer. Yeah. But from what I hear, the whole thing was FOC'd up. Oh. <laughs> yeah, and, and the thing is, a lot of, you also have unhappy retailers on the other end of the equation who did not want anything to do with the lenticular covers, but who ordered them early because they thought that was the only cover there was going to be. Hmm. And now they find that they could have spent less money just getting the 2D covers, and they're not happy either. Hmm. Right. And right. then from what I understand, um, at least as, as far as Brian Hibbs put it, uh, retailers have been trained essentially to see the 
final order cutoff date is really the only date right. that you have to worry right. about. But they've cut off ordering before. Right. Well, that seems to be like, I mean, it's really it's not a screwing. surprise. It's really not a surprise that there's going to be a shortage of these covers. Mm-hmm. What is a surprise is that retailers were not made aware yeah, of they this. Told. They were never told about it you, until this week. And then they, they were told, guess what? Memo. It's already too late, you guys. Yeah. Uh, but we're going to give you the 2D covers instead. And they're going to offer on August 12th, which is next week. I think that's Monday uh, or Tuesday. They're going to offer a package of all, is it 20, Kate? Do you know how many copies are actually in this? I think it's it's 20 20, uh, villain covers and all the villain month stuff and a special package where you'll get all of them for the cheap, cheap price of $199. So basically, if you don't get the cover you want uh, and you don't want to, maybe you go on eBay and you're going to have to buy it, then your only other choice is going to be to spend $200 on a complete package, which you also have to order by next Tuesday. Yes, I think this is definitely foc yeah, up. Yeah. And, uh, you know, DC's been trying a lot of these um, variants. Let's face it, let's call a spade a spade. These are variant Very covers, yes, all right? Are. These are not enhancements. These are not... Uh, you know, special treats for yeah. readers. These are variant covers, and DC has been using them more and more this year. Uh, Even as they say themselves that they don't really move the needle that much. Well, there was another uh, interview. There was an interview that came out with uh, co-publishers Dan DiDio and Jim Lee, in which, which Jim Lee said just that, that they don't move the needle. Yeah. And yet they did 50 variant covers for Justice League of America, number one. So, uh, And it was the number one book that month, so what a surprise. So I, I think, uh, I don't know, it's kind of rough rough times, I think, right now for Because uh, essentially DC is going to be rationing the villain, yes. villain cards. Yes, they'll be allocated mm-hmm. based on what you ordered already. So say if you ordered 50 copies of Batman, all right, and then you ordered 100 copies of the Lenticular cover, then you would only get 50 copies of it. And then it would be allocated based on how many were left over overall. So... So, yeah, and anyway. the thing is that it's sort of a backwards um, variant cover. Like, originally, the lenticular was going to be the only cover. And now they're like, ha-ha, just joking. <laughs> <laughs> well, there you go. Yeah. The wacky world of direct market yeah. retail. Um, uh, well, well I, I, you know what? I do think that, I, I think, uh, you know, retailers have a short memory. But uh, this does seem to have kind of eroded. I think there's been a lot of eroding uh, interest in these gimmicks and these variants among retailers, um, with Marvel as well. I don't mean to say it's just DC, but with Marvel, DC, you know, Dynamite, uh, Avatar, other publishers that do a lot of these gimmicky things. And, and um, you know, Vertigo just launched their uh, their new book with Jeff Lemire, which now I can't remember the title of. Uh, Kate, do you remember what it's called? Trilli- uh, yeah. Trillium. Trillium, yes. Mm-hmm. That just launched this week. And I was just reading on Twitter, a lot of stores are saying that it sold exceptionally well. It was a sellout. So... Uh, you know, before you couldn't get a uh, a uh, Vertigo comic to sell out, <laughs> you know, unless it was uh, got gold flecks in the cover. So, well, I don't think it hurts that Jeff Lemire has been doing more mainstream DC stuff, so people actually heard who he was. Right, right. His profile's gone up. Yeah, yeah his, definitely. His, the arc of something we can talk about another time, but the arc of his career is pretty interesting it for is a guy very, who started out as an Matt, indie comic uh, star. Yes, and Matt Kent, you know, kind of yeah. a stable yeah, yeah, yeah. you know, both started at Top Shelf. But yeah, yeah. that's definitely a topic for yeah. a different day. But um, um, 
uh, do we want to go a little bit further into doings at uh, the DC Universe? Um, there was that long interview. Yes, there was. Um, I mean, I, I thought that some of the comments that they made really about Vertigo and... Uh, I mean, I think in our last podcast, we talked a bit about uh, just from from uh, Comic-Con, it seems as though they were really trying to point all eyes toward Vertigo and say, no, 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 it ain't going anywhere. Right, we, right. we are supporting it. All of the awful, awful rumors that you hear out there are supposedly not true. Uh, they, they were they, That seemed to be the line that they were certainly taking in the, in the interview, um, with, obviously with the new books coming out from, uh, right, from right. Neil Gaiman I've, and I've, other stuff. And, you know, I mean, obviously you basically anything on, on Neil Gaiman is a very sound move, mm-hmm. but it looks like a lot of things, you know, it looks like these new books are, are being given a second look. So, yeah. you know, that's mm-hmm. pretty amazing. Yeah. <laughs> I mean, they could have done that in the past also, but uh, sometimes you have to have like a big... Uh, uh, shake up. A big well, shake sometimes up. Sometimes you have to destroy to something to save it. Unfortunately. Where have that, I heard that before? Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, and you know, one thing that was kind of interesting is once again they were going, pay no attention to the um, all the people leaving and getting shuffled <laughs> around. This is totally normal. No, like there's less. There's less of it than there was before. There used to be more in the past. Yeah, yeah whereas a lot of people have been. Um, looking at this interview and looking at the actual numbers of who's getting shuffled around where and going, that's not true. I mean, it's nice that they think that, but it's, in fact, not factually true. Well, I think there's a lot of evolution going on at DC Comics. and I think this allocation aggravation, uh, I don't think it's going to sit well with a lot of people. Yeah. Well, well. I, my personal pet theory is that they're so attached to the number 52 for various historical reasons that they have more titles than they can really support and it's causing some of the trouble that they're having they're bringing in more people who are perhaps not fully tested because they need 52 teams Uh, an interesting a provocative theory Kate yes and perhaps (laughs) if they didn't need 52 for some (laughs) obscure reason of their psyche they might be doing better but that's just my personal theory. Well, there's more competition than ever, uh, perhaps from imprints being published at DC. So, more to come on that. Mm. As always. Well, so we move on to the, to the, uh, the new digital landscape, but particularly oh, yes. uh, new digital initiatives yes. at Mark Wade's Thrillbrint. Um, we can start with Thrillbrint, but there's also some interesting news coming in from Keith Knight's Roundtable Comics and from uh, Sequential, the app. So, uh, Mark Wade and Thrillbrint, they've launched a new digital storefront. They have indeed. All their books are $0.99 cents to four ninety nine at the moment, uh, although there is one title that is uh, Pay What You Will. And each comic is DRM-free. You download it, you own it, it's yours. You can store it, you don't need to keep it in an app, you can keep it on your computer, you can read it any format you are want. Are they in PDF? You can loan it to a friend. CBR files? They are, they are PDF. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And um, uh, but now these comics are available for free on the Thrillbent website, but as serials. Mm-hmm. So basically, mm-hmm. when you buy them, you're getting a nice, convenient package yeah. that you can just Collect put on your edition, tablet yeah. or carry around with you. And uh, is there, there's extra content too, isn't there? Um, there's some there, of them. Yeah, some of them. What's being called the Thrillbent model yeah. oh, yes. is more and more and more prevalent. Yeah. Oh yeah. Oh yeah. Comics are on there. The all ages comics by the beloved team that. Uh, Created Tiny Titans so and they, many other things. Right, our, our relatives are on Franco. So they yeah. had kind of launched their own print uh, they do. imprint. So and they're it, basically being these serialized are those comics, digitally. But, ah, okay. I don't know if they're serializing them, but they are selling or offered, them. Excuse they're me, being, offered. Yes, 
They're being sold through Thrillbent right. in a digital format okay. without. Well, there you go. More digital b- banding together. Um, you know, also uh, banding together is uh, the Sequential app, uh, which is a new startup uh, by a kind of cross English and Japanese venture, I'd say. Uh, that aims to offer intelligent graphic novels for the rest of us. Uh, it's done by a fellow named Russell Willis, Ada, who runs a software company. He's based in Japan, although he is from England. And basically, they're a, kind of a standalone store for graphic novels. Uh, and they offer their own proprietary format, uh, reading format, selling them for anywhere from $1.99 to $9.99. Um, so far, offering... Some the- of them are a little more expensive than that, yeah. too. But the bulk of them are not. Yes. I... I Saw something on there for significantly more than oh, that. Oh, really? Yeah. What was I? There's something on there for seventeen ninety nine. Oh, or really? Something. Yeah. I better have been seven hundred pages long. Yeah, but that's like a, a, that's an outlier. I'm, I'm pretty sure. I mean, most of the ones I saw on there were five ninety nine. I saw something for nine ninety nine. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, but look, obviously a great idea. I've been poking around in the app myself. Um, uh, it, it could use a, some upgrades in some areas. Hey, Willis. Let's work on the preview pages, huh? Mm-hmm. Yeah. You've got to be big enough for people to read them. Yeah, it's, it's already opened yes. in uh, the UK, and yes, now it's it going worldwide. It's worldwide. Yeah. And um, it does have one rule, and that rule is absolutely no superheroes. Right, right, right. <laughs> okay. So, well, I mean, I think the goal is to establish a storefront where if you'd read Fun Home or Persepolis, then you could go and find more books like that. Yes. So they have a lot of English yes. publishers mm-hmm. uh, represented, like Blank Slate and... Um, mm. Uh, I, I think they're going to set a deal with Jonathan Cape, which is another mm-hmm. English publisher and self-made hero. So, I mean, all yeah. books that we love here absolutely, are publishers. Absolutely. Yeah. So, um, I mean, they need a little more content, but they're working on that. Yeah. 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 So, anyway, but basically yeah. a new storefront. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, and uh, speaking of storefronts, um, our friend Keith Knight at K Chronicles is actually launching his own. It's, it's really, it's actually a digital uh, subscription service for, I think, about 25 Dollars a year, and I think for um, fifteen dollars for six months, you can basically get subscriptions that will give you access to sort of exclusive content. You know, you'll get the occasional strip that was censored, and not, uh, which should probably would keep that could mean a lot of content. Uh, you can see, you get to see the best his best hate mail of the week. Um, you know, you'll get the weekly comment, and you'll, you'll see it before everybody else does. So there'll be commentary and insight. You'll be, and I'm sure Keith will let you get up close and personal in a way that'll oh, have you uh, yes. chuckling for days. Yes, so, he says that uh, if you subscribe, you get, quote-unquote, unfettered access to Keith's dark, filthy sketch pages and pics of the week. There well, make of this was yeah, so well. This is a model that's been used by a lot of editorial cartoonists of late. I know Matt Boris is a similar system. Yes. Mm-hmm. Um, I think it was Rudin Balling who mm-hmm. does Tom the Dancing Bug who kind of Absolutely. started using it. And, you know, we all know that editorial cartooning is kind of dying off in print, uh, but the great practitioners such as the people I just mentioned mm-hmm. are still around and they're still doing stuff. And, um, you know, this is a way to keep going. And so far it seems to be successful yes. for them. Absolutely. Give these people your, give these people your money. They deserve it. Yeah. And, and you'll be happy you did. All right. Um, creator rights. Let's move on. There was a big legal decision uh, today well, in, yes. the in, Kirby, in, in the, the Kirby well, case. Well, a few years ago, in 2009, uh, Jack Kirby's heirs sued for copyright reversion for his classic characters created at Marvel Comics while he was freelance, uh, including the Hulk, I believe, the X-Men, um, not Captain America, because that was created long before, but, but uh, the Fantastic Four and so on and so forth. Um, so far, 
It's been all reversals for the Kirbys, uh, sad to say. So a court ruled against them in 2011, saying that uh, it was clearly created as work for hire. And, uh, you know, one of the reasons why this was a very easy case to make was that Stan Lee is still alive, and he testified uh, that, hey, I was there, and it was work for hire, whereas nobody from the Kirby side was uh, still yeah. alive. So, you know, that was kind of a... Kind of a cut and dry, open and shut yeah. there. Anyway, it would be Mark- interesting to see what would have happened if Kirby was still alive. Oh, that would be very interesting in so many ways. Mm-hmm. But um, Mark Tobaroff is the lawyer for this, as he is for Siegel and Schuster. Oh, so he right. filed yeah. an appeal in 2011 when that decision came down. And today the appeals court ruled in Marvel's favor. So, I mean, I, I'm assuming this could go to the Supreme Court, but I wouldn't count on that. Yeah. So it looks like... Um, it looks like the end of the road for the uh, Kirby copyright reversion lawsuit yep. in this case. So, and and I have to and you, excuse my ignorance on this issue, but do is there any uh, uh, does Marvel have a relationship with with the Kirby estate as it as it has with the uh, the Schuster and Siegel as DC has with the Sugar and Siegel no, estate, where they, well, they, they are any. receiving some. No, no, some none, support from DC. No. No, no. And Disney mm-hmm. would never do that. Yeah. They would never mm-hmm. set a precedent by doing any kind of. Um, but this know. has been going on since previous yes. to the Disney acquisition. Yes. That's why I was yes. just yeah. curious about it. It's, it's not just mm-hmm. Disney doing this, it's yeah. marvelous. So, no, that was just uh, my ignorance on the case. So, all right, well, um, uh, that's Jack King Kirby uh, to the rest of you. Yeah. And related to this, deeply related to this, is news on. The Wolverine, the movie. Uh, basically, uh, Chris Claremont not only is getting no money, which he said he expected not getting any money, but he didn't even get a tiny line in the credits somewhere, like based on a storyline. Or by, thank you. Or thank you, or inspired by, or nothing. nothing. Yeah, even though no the storyline, we're, we're okay mm-hmm. to see the movie and we'll review it, but true or false, it's inspired by the yes. story that he did with Frank Miller. Yes. <laughs> it is indeed heavily. I mean, like there are large changes, but it's basically taken. Like from there's that a character story. named Mariko. Yeah, well, all the characters are from that. Wow. Um, and large chunks of the plot are from that, and it's pretty obviously from that. And he didn't even get like a tiny, tiny print anywhere in the credits. Anywhere. Now that's interesting because many times at the end of a Marvel movie, even though they don't get money, there will be a thank you to like Brian Bendis or Matt Fraction or mm. Salvador they, Roca. They, they all got thanked for Iron Man. They all do that in the ones that are run by Marvel. But this one, the Wolverine, does not come out from Marvel Oh, that's true. Studios. It's from Fox. Fox. It's from mm-hmm. Fox. So in this case, um, that particular thing is being away with Fox, not mm-hmm. with Marvel. But still, it's still done in conjunction with Marvel Studios, right. though. But yeah, they're yes. not hands off on, no. uh, on it. I, I mean, mean, he he was resigned to the part about no money, although that made well. Not interestingly, so great. Uh, even though Chris Claremont got no thanks and no money, Glenn uh, Wein, who created the character Wolverine with John Romita Senior, revealed in an interview with the LA Times that he actually did get some money for creating the character and. Yeah. Marvel apparently has... It's all very, very, very hush-hush because no one wants to really talk about it for fear of killing the goose that laid the golden yolk or eggshell or whatever it may be. But apparently Marvel does, on some occasions, pay some participatory money for their films. Now, DC is pretty well recorded that they do. Like, if you use... They admit they do. They admit they do. And, uh, you know, the character of Bane, for instance, from, uh, from The Dark Knight or... Yeah, whatever. Batman Rises, whatever that movie was called. Uh, there's so many comic book movies now, I can't even remember the titles, to be honest. Uh, Batman 3. 
Uh, he was created by Chuck Dixon. Is that... Is that? I think so. I um, think so. But anyway, whoever it was, who we don't remember, but he he said he got he got, he got money. even people who created secondary characters right. that weren't you know major stars in the movie still got some money mm-hmm. out of it. But that's DC, which has its own right, right, right. As, you know, but I it's it's still a big. Um, for a while, there, Marvel and was trying to be more competitive with DC in terms of offering uh, benefits and perks and so on and so forth. And, uh, I mean, that's a very pleasant thing for them to offer, even if they gave Chris Claremont uh, the shiv and, <laughs> and gave Levin a check. So, you know, that's yeah. all confused. And there's no, all bets are off. Anything could happen. Well, what's very interesting was that I had never seen, usually the complaints are no money. Mm-hmm. But what I thought was very interesting, and it wouldn't have cost them anything to put him in the credits, right. was that he was not particularly bothered by no money because he had just accepted that it would be that way. Mm-hmm. But he felt sort of artistically a little insulted and let down that they just didn't even admit he had anything well, to do know with this story. You know how I say, uh, you know, for podcast ears only, because, uh, you know, nobody listens to this podcast except for a few <laughs> thousands of people who do. That's but, right. <laughs> uh, I do know from various It's not as Googleable. Let's put sources, it that way. Yes, that Chris Claremont is not the most popular person at the Marvel offices. From some people um, among, you know, at various times. Uh, I certainly, the guy deserves all the respect in the world for having worked, created this X-Men yeah. franchise. It might have been Lynn who created the characters, mm-hmm. but it's Chris Claremont and John Byrne who, and Dave Cockrum who made the X-Men what they are. So you cannot take that away from him. Uh, but I do know that he... Uh, is not the most popular guy. And I, who knows? You know, maybe that had something to do but with it. But in some ways, that's a little... That makes it even kind of worse. It does. I because agree. it doesn't matter whether he is a lovable individual or not. He mm-hmm. still made the mm-hmm. thing. I agree with you totally. I would say that the fact that it's obviously based on his work, with Frank Miller's work, and they didn't even get a thank you, is really fucked up. And uh, that's the problem with comics right now, you know? I mean, I'm very happy Len got some money. Uh, he should get money, too. And so should Chris and Frank. All right. And that's our take on it. That's <laughs> 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 so there. All right. Um, look, shall we move on to our movie reviews? Um, yes, this we is should. The Kate yes. and Heidi well, show today. Speaking of the Wolverine, Kate, you saw. <laughs> speaking of the Wolverine, um, I watched it, and there were some things that were improvements on the original storyline, and some things which were decidedly not. Um, I actually, the criticism I had coming out of the movie, well, the second criticism I had coming out of the movie, to my friend was this movie has real third act problems and then i read uh chris claremont doing a movie review of the movie actually <laughs> saying the exact same thing he was like actually this is pretty good um but in many ways but you know it has real third act problems and that the the first half of the movie does a pretty good job of of setting up wolverine's relationship to these characters why wolverine's in japan the drama of does he want to live, does he not want to live, etc. But then in the third act of the movie, it just goes off the map. And you're like, wait, why are they doing that? Who is stabbing who? Why is she poisoning them? Why did the ninjas attack? And so you have to wait like 20 minutes to figure out. And when you do figure it out, it's really not that great. And um, yeah, but on the plus side, they didn't kill off Mariko. Spoiler! Um, spoiler! And they took out the utterly unnecessary love triangle where Yukio 
is like, you kill things, that's so hot! Instead, um, building and focusing on a positive relationship between Mariko and Yukio, who are very close friends, and um, Yukio just thinks that Wolverine is, is awesome, but has no romantic interest in him. So it's less like, rawr, we both want the same man, and more streamlined. Well, you know, it sounds good. I, 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 every time I saw the trailer for this movie, I was like, wow, that is the worst trailer. I, I, it just looks so boring. I was like, well, you know, Hugh Jackman is in it as Wolverine. That's always a plus. And he takes off his shirt. That's a plus. But, um, you know, other than that, I mean, it seemed to be literally the Wolverine. Hugh Jackman takes off his shirt and wears sideburns. I mean, that literally seemed okay, to be the marketing. Okay, he did spend a large amount of the movie not wearing a shirt. Okay, well, I'm seeing it tonight. So. <laughs> they they give the people what they want. <laughs> Uh, but Apparently. yeah, I, I will say that it, <laughs> well, it was not. Imagine actually, that it was in still watchable. Movie. Yeah, no, more than usual. Okay, <laughs> yeah, well, more I than think usual that is for usual Hollywood. For Hollywood. Hollywood well, movie. you know, but, a lot of movies have had third act problems over this summer, yeah. uh, and uh, one of them that people didn't know what was going on is uh, I saw Two Guns, uh, which is published by Boom but created by Stephen Grant artist, uh, artist Matteo Santoloco. Uh, originally was a screenplay that Grant had written in the 80s, and he kind of kicked it around for a while and then did it as a, co- a comic book, and it got picked up by uh, Mark Wahlberg and Universal, and they made a movie out of it starring Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg. Um, and uh, so, uh, you know, this movie is a complicated heist movie where you have the two uh, undercover agents, one NCIS and one DEA, who don't know that they're both undercover, and the two of them... Uh, both set up a sting on a bank robbery where they, uh, you know, discover things they don't know and then a uh, Mexican drug cartel and the CIA both become involved. They run around for two hours shooting things. Uh, cars go fast. It's a very convoluted plot, very much based on Charlie Varick and other kind of 70s caper heist movies. Uh, it doesn't live up to those very high standards and the script is, it's good, but it's not great. It's not too many quotable lines in there, I don't think. But, uh, you, you know, How I, are the characters? I, I think that if you have Denzel Washington and Mark Wahlberg in a movie that uh, it's going to be very charming. And guess what? They're very charming people. And, uh, you know, it, it's 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 watchable. Again, I didn't the think this is a great... of American yeah, movie making. Yeah, watchable. Watchable filming. <laughs> the watchable charm films. factor overall. Oh, Uber hey, Alice. there are plenty of things that go on better than that. I haven't seen it, so I'm just really kibitzing here. So, uh, you know, and unfortunately no one saw the Smurfs, too. Yeah. Oh, <laughs> such a pity. I, yes. I I did see pictures of Katy Perry at the premiere in which she was not wearing a dress with Smurfette's face on her Sad. chest anymore. Who was that black-haired Smurf in the movie? I do not Is know. Is she an actual Smurf? Does anyone know? I, I, I can't think, help. I think they were doing, they split the origin of Smurfette story in two. So instead of... Having Smurfette be the Smurf who was made by Gargamel and originally evil but then turned good, they decided that maybe they could have two female Smurfs and this would be the origin story of the other female Smurf. So one female Smurf did not have to be evil. So there could be a good and evil female Smurf. Yeah, but I think she then, as Smurfette did in the original, turned good by the end. So you can have more than one female Smurf. We've got the information for you folks. (laughs) We'll get it one way or other. If we have to, <laughs> usually out of cake. Anyway, <laughs> and on that note, news briefs. And on that note, news briefs. Kickstarter is coming to Canada. Um, 
long it has been that if you are Canadian who wishes to go on Kickstarter, you'd better find yourself an American business partner. But that is no longer the case. So I look forward to a flood of indie comics from Canada getting Kickstarter too. A++ Kickstarter. Now, if only you can go worldwide. Meanwhile, speaking of worldwide news stories, uh, three comics people were arrested in Tokyo for quote-unquote obscene manga. Now, this was the manga magazine Comic Megastore, which was uh, halted, and the editor-in-chief and two other employees were arrested under Article 175 of Japan's Criminal Code, which is to say imprisonment of up to two years for publishing obscene images. And this that's is not, pretty harsh. That's really quite harsh. And this is not some tiny magazine no one's heard of. It has a circulation of 60,000 readers and uh, $170,000 a month in revenue. Hmm. And it depicts heterosexual adults in cartoon form having sex. And it's clearly labeled as 18 and up hmm. only. So uh, the manga industry is actually rather shocked by this because they would not have expected that to happen hmm. and had no idea it was in any way, shape, or form illegal. Well, on a happier note, Jack Kirby's Argo Art, originally created for the Lord of Light movie and then repurposed to help the CIA get hostages out of Tehran and then made it into a movie with Ben Affleck, uh, the very same art that, in fact, was used in, in the uh, CIA con. It was owned by Jim Lee and auctioned off online in Heritage Auction. And um, one piece of art, Planetary Control Room, brought in $23,900. And Pavilions of Joy brought in, I don't even, I didn't look closely at that image. I don't know, man. Uh, brought in, very clean. Brought in $16,730. Uh, far more than anyone expected. I guess that's what being involved in an Oscar-winning movie does for you. There you go. And on a side note, actually, uh, the Jack Kirby Museum actually has made prints of some of the Argo art. Oh, great. Um, and so if you so want you some, can actually you can some. Cool. buy some art uh, that was used in the CIA scheme by the King of Comics, created by the King of Comics, and and help the Jack Kirby Museum out at the same time. Well, that's great. And Rand Hoop, uh, uh, is he no the director idea. of the, uh, yeah, of the yes, museum? He yeah. was at Comic-Con and showing off the work. And in fact, if you go to the the comic the PW Comics World Facebook page now, there's a big picture right wow, up on the nice. side right now of him holding up a, uh, a uh, one of the prints, right? Uh, and uh, you know, just a side note on this is that Jim Lee had bought the art in the '90s, and uh, his reason given for selling it now was that he needed the money. <laughs> Who would have thought? Because it? he had four kids going to college. So I mean, that so is, there you go. I, I said that Jim is. Um, the fantasy of every comics right. collector, that they're going to buy some rare piece of comics art and put their kids through yeah. comics. Well, Jim Lee well, makes it happen. I, I mean, sometimes Jim is a little tongue-in-cheek about things, um, you know. But, but I, at the same so, time, I don't think he would have sold He's made a few dollars art. in this business, hasn't yeah, he? Yeah, but, uh, he but even so, when you're, putting, when you're putting four through kids through college... That's an true. extra $40,000 does not go amiss. Exactly. And, I'm well, sure and they're adorable room. kids, too. Yes, they are. They'll survive. Um, back to manga, you can now read manga in English on the plane, and you don't need to bring it with you. <laughs> yeah. Japan Airlines 
is uh, further expanding its line of quote-unquote sky manga by now offering it in English as well as Japanese. Hot damn, when I fly to Japan, I'm flying JL. Right. <laughs> exactly. Uh, they are offering uh, 30 volumes of different manga available electronically in your seatback monitor, um, including... Uh, One Piece, Dragon Ball, and that's it. what they're... They're the Jet the Blue of the manga set. Right, right. They sure are. Sounds oh, like they have a deal with Shigakukan there, but... Uh, yes. No surprise. S- oh, sorry. Six full sets and 30 volumes of manga nice. in yeah. English nice. for your viewing convenience on the long, long flight to and from Japan. There you go. Just what you need, like a... And on, a, on uh, one more little news <coughs> note that I have down here, uh, we mentioned a few weeks ago about how the Brooklyn Comics and Arts Fest oh, had yes. been canceled, uh, which was a three-way collaboration between local comics celebrities, Dan Nadell, Bill Karlopoulos, and uh, Gabe Fowler, who runs Desert Island Comics in Williamsburg. And it was very sad when it was announced that it was breaking up, basically due to personality differences among those three. However, Fowler is back with CAB Comic Arts Brooklyn, uh, which is going to be a festival held at the same time, the same place, uh-huh. uh, the same. It's the same venue in Williamsburg um, in November. So, uh, and it'll be cu- curated. The panels will be done by Paul Karasik. So, uh, it continues. The spirit of indie comics in November in Brooklyn continues, and everybody's really happy. I, I mean, there might have been some uh, interior friction. friction. That's a great, great <laughs> way of putting it between the people who put on the Brooklyn the BCGF. But it was a huge success, it and was. I feel no reason to, that this will not also yeah. be yeah. exemplary of the amazing things happening. Yeah. yeah. So we look forward to seeing more to come. More. Yes, to and come. Uh, there will of course be more to come.